ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. So, let me get this straight. Matt Wang still owes cake. What, from the Grand Prix win? Yeah. Like, that was like 10 years ago. At least 10 years ago. That was like the best story, right? So, like, Steve OMS is like, oh, I think I'll be in Boston. Maybe I should play in this. It was like a two-headed giant Grand Prix, right? And Matt's like, I'll play with you, right? So, Matt Wang counts as a Grand Prix champion. (laughs) Wait, did he win his Grand Prix before Steve won his Grand Prix? I could check, but that would be cheating. It's it's. I think it was the same year. So we're, it was the same year. It's between, let's call it eleven and thirteen years. I think somewhere <laughs> it's 2000, 2019. I think it was somewhere between two. I, I want to say circa two thousand and seven. Right. Something like that. Steve, Steve Satan was the first person to oat cake. That was like he won. I think it was like. I'm trying to even remember what format it was. What was the format that had like toll smear? The first toll smear in it. Was that Ravnica? I don't know. Like the green white like wolf guy. Yeah, I know the one that they have now that makes wolves but the that are friendly. One, the original one was like fighting. Ravnica, so it was like during Ravnica and Steve won a limited PTQ, and then bought everybody cake, including the guy he beat in the finals, who just kind of ate the cake kind of sadly. But like we bought the cake immediately after yeah. we went around to Baskin Robbins. I remember those days. Cake. Yeah, yeah. So they like Ben Hayes bought cake. I became a tradition. Yeah. Well, and it's been exported because hey, in Portland... Gabe Carlton Barnes won a PTQ this weekend. But but for the last however many years he's been out there, yeah. he's made everyone, you know, it's but a tradition. He's that kind of bi and he comes back. Yeah. He just doesn't hang out with us. He just comes out here. I see him in, like, East Coast Magic. Yeah. Right, so... Um, so, so, anyway, yeah. the point of this all is that you owe cake... Not anymore. I brought the damn cake. You brought, I brought, <laughs> I brought cr- you said you wanted crumb cake. I brought crumb cake. I thought Zvi was going to be here. I brought crumb cake, and then I brought that thing. It's a dark chocolate cheesecake, maybe. Ooh. From, so this is from Carlo's Bakery. Uh, if you're, you know, watch, was it on Food Channel? Or, he's um, not, he, I guess he's on Food Channel no, now. Discovery. But he used on, to be on Discovery. Discovery, yeah. So uh, He is known as the, the cake, cake boss. boss. Yeah, so <laughs> the original Carlo's Bakery is like two blocks from my office, so... It's not, it's not actually my preferred bakery, but it was the easiest one for me to get to on the way to coming to your office yeah. to record this podcast What's your episode. preferred bakery? Uh, I like Empire Cake on, uh, on 15th Street. Right That's across the street from Google. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. And then... Uh, That's also one of my favorites. I love Bouchon. It's Bouchon up in 59th Street. There's like the bigger Bouchons yeah. in Las Vegas, right? But um, Bouchon Bakery in 59th Street has, in my opinion, it's not a cake, but... The best peanut butter cup I've ever eaten, and I'm a connoisseur of peanut butter cups. Yeah. Um, and let's see, I like those. Dominique can't sell. I think Dominique can't sell is good. I mean, it, it's it's not. If they're not for more traditional cake, they're probably I, not as good. I'm not a complainer. You want to put like a delicious <laughs> thing? Said no one who actually wasn't a complainer. So I'm just, ever. When I'm by talking, the way. if somebody's gonna put some, you know, like how I used to ask, how bad is the worst piece of pizza? I had kid birthday party, like, pizza in Queens a few years ago, like, at a laser tag event. Inedible. I was just like, my entire life, I was just like, 
the word like if if you're thinking like two tiers worse than Domino's is still pizza, it's still good. Okay, it's like like oh, I'm from New York, I'm so highfalutin, I complain about everything. No, 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 this pizza, we're we're off the we're off the scale now. But it's like how bad is like the worst piece of chocolate cake you could eat? You might not be like in love with it, but like nobody's really complaining, right? Right. So I'm saying like Domino can't sell. It's it's fine. I've had it. I'm not. It's, that's not one of the things I think about. I'll, you, like, you spend a lot of times in airports, right? Yeah. Have you ever had this experience of sitting in an airport? You're like, I have to eat a meal in this airport. Yeah. I don't want to because nothing's good here. It's like Dulles or something. Okay. And Kansas and, City Airport is sure. the pits. And you're sitting in a place and you look at the menu and what's the process you go through? You're like, what can I order here that they just, they won't mess it up too bad? So I, I spent a lot of time in the... Uh, uh, the Palm Beach Airport in Florida. I've yeah. probably been through there 40 times in the last Jeez. couple of years. Uh, there's a Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> I go to get, get the Chili at Chili's. It's, uh, that's what I get. No Applebee's. Chili. Uh, it's yeah. not a large airport. I, uh, Chili at Chili's is what I get. I mean, you, you could usually I ordered, get a... I, I, I came to the conclusion that the thing they could F up the least yeah. was a grilled cheese last night. It was the worst grilled cheese. What what airport you go through? Roanoke, Dallas. Where where you were? I was in. It was in Chantilly. You know the you know the Grand Prix site and PTQ site that used to be like a Kmart in Chantilly, Virginia. So it wasn't actually at the at the SCG. No 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 no. This was this was a DC event. So it was in Chantilly. So Roanoke, when I flown through there to go to SCG events, that airport is. Maybe the worst food desert I've ever been to. I think the last time I went there, I just got hot dogs, and you know, like in the yeah. so uh, not a good, not a yeah. good food scene that airport. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> the reason Mike doesn't owe cake is because there's cake in front of me. But the reason Mike owed cake previous to paying off his debt here is because you want a PTQ. I won an actual players tour qualifier yesterday. So, Congratulations! Yeah, That's so, so exciting. I was talking to Brian. He's like, "Oh, so you have to you qualified for a qualifier and play qualifier?" I'm like, "I won one of those last week." <laughs> but so people are like, "Oh my gosh, PTQs are only thirty two people now." No, the one I won was only thirty two people, but it was an invite only PTQ. Right. Right. So there were four preliminary, what are they called WPN preliminaries. Right. The top eight players from each of those got invites to the invite. And, only. and how many people were in each of the preliminaries? It depends. The one there was one the day before that was. A, like probably PTQ sized, right? So like, oh, okay. yeah. But if you were like three one and one, probably didn't make the cut, right? So, so, so but now, the one that I, I mean, to be fair, the one that I, <laughs> I, I qualified, I think it was pretty close to maybe if you won twice, you're you're you're, you're, you're at like a winning in like okay. at, at every tier <laughs> at that point. It was like yeah, like I think you know half the guys are gonna make it or something like that. But I mean, I I still won three times in that tournament and didn't lose. You know, like I, I just played the tournament they put me in, right? Right. Like, and I played in a PTQ last month, you know, that uh, I lost to Jordan Berkowitz. Jordan Berkowitz won the PTQ. Okay. I mean, literally a Pro Tour Top 8 competitor defeated me for the slot last month. I was like, it's, it's funny, you won't even believe I did this. I have so many Legion sleeves, right? Because I buy like the same sleeves. I used to add all the, remember like those TARDIS sleeves, like yeah. the blue backs. Then I got all these like Link sleeves, or like the same. So I just buy like, I go to like, um, Whatever, you know, the I used to have all these zombie sleeves that I bought. I bought face-to-face out of zombie sleeves, right? So I think I bought uh, I bought cool stuff, I think, out of both um, TARDIS sleeves and Link sleeves. And I just play into the next pack, right? right? So I'm just like, all right, 
Because like, 100 sleeves is not the right number for any format, okay? Or, or 50 sleeves, right? Not the right number for any format, right? Yeah. So, so you just play into the next pack, right? So you're like, okay. But it's, then, like, it's, like, it's like at the blackjack table, you just have a shoe full of sleeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just play in the next pack, right? So I was playtesting at Monesty one night, and they're like, you have to make a purchase. Because like, we're playtesting there for like three hours. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, what's the... So I bought the Ultimate Guard Katana sleeves, which is like the $12 pack sleeves. Yeah. I hate to say this. <laughs> I played the same set of sleeves that I played a month ago. Like, I just took them off my deck and put yeah. them on this deck. These sleeves shuffle so well. Hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Le I mean, I've been playing Legion sleeves for, like, five years, right? Like, <laughs> these also not sponsored. Yeah. Uh, if I lived in your state, I would vote for your wife. Okay. <laughs> but, uh... These katana sleeves yeah. are unreal. I got mean, like I, I've never used them. I'll have they're, to. You mostly play limited, right? I mostly play commander. Well, yeah, actually, they're probably great for commander because they're they shuffle really well, and, and you do all kinds of dirtling in commander, right? And they're hella durable. Right. They're so durable. I played the same set of sleeves that I played in another piece. Can you imagine me doing this instead of just sleeving a new deck, right? right. So, um, I yeah I. I won a preliminary last week. Okay, so tell me, tell, I want, so tell me the story. What happened in the... Because I've been... We haven't, I haven't seen you yeah. in forever. We have a podcast so I was, What happened in the preliminary? So I was away on business all week. Uh, people were like, are you going to play in the PTQ on Saturday? Uh, also, the reason my turnout was bad is you'll, uh, you'll hear, hear why. In the one that I, that I, that I won initially. So I, I wasn't going to play. I was like all tired. But you know, I'm not going to skip a New York PTQ. So I go to Reg and they're sold out. Right? So this was a traditional... A PTQ. traditional PTQ. Just regular full-size PTQ. Right. But they were maxed out. Which was, what, 128 PTQ? No idea. Okay. So they sold out. And, uh, like, Fernando played in that one. So my friend... Sucker. My friend Ryan's just like, just show up. They'll take on site. But if they... If they don't take on site, then just book over to Monesty for the preliminary. And I was just like, what's a preliminary? And so mine was small because a real PTQ was running oh. the same day. Right? So it's not just it was just small in the abstract, right? right? Like literal, like 20 blocks away, there was a, a slot. And right? all the people who were not good enough to get there were, on time yeah. for the other one. So I played in this other one. Right? Yeah. I, I think on a normal day, it would have been more players, right? So, but I happened to be at the same time as a real PTQ. So I'm, I'm pissed because I, I would have rather played in the real PTQ, right? But I'm thinking to myself, like, what are my real chances of winning the PTQ? Like, under 10%, right? If I get into this 32-man PTQ, that's probably mostly people I play at FNM on Monesty. Like, I have a pretty good shot, right? So um, I played Jeskai Fires. I didn't want to play Jeskai Fires. Jeskai Fires was the most popular deck at Mythic Championship 7, which right. was that weekend. Yep. I was just like, and Zvi had told me, you know, Zvi was the champion of Jeskai Fires. He, he even idiotically played it when you could play Oko. Like I, you know, I was talking to him about what deck I should play in the previous PTQ that I said that I, I lost to Berkowitz in the top eight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, what about this and this? And I'm talking to a guy who just played Jeskai Fires, the Mythic Championship six. And he's just like, play Oko Fool were the words that he used. <laughs> so um, I made top eight of that one. So I, and he told me, he's like, Jeskai Fires mirror match is a coin flip, right? It's like a weighted coin flip. You're going first, you're probably at the advantage, you know? Yeah. And so, First round, I played against Jeskai Fires. I actually ended up playing that guy twice in this tournament. Uh, he made it the top eight. Um, but I won. Very narrow. I won. Uh, second round, I played... Jeez, um, I don't even remember what I played. Uh, oh, no. Second round, I played against Is It Splash. 
Uh, I won very narrowly, which I don't think it's a good matchup. Is the flash I think is advantaged against uh, against Jessica Fires. And then I drew a couple of times, and then I played in the last round because I just wanted to play, and I played against Teamer. And I wanted to play against Teamer because I knew multiple people were qualifying with Teamer, and I wanted to get some reps under it. And I thought Teamer would be a really bad matchup uh, in game one. Probably get better after sideboarding, but I don't know. I just two owed him. It was just the deuce. So I was like, all right, I guess Jessica Fires is pretty good. Then um, they announced the top eight for Mythic Championship 6. Uh, I'm sorry, Mythic Championship 7. It included Seth Manfield, Brad Nelson, and uh, the best player in the world right now, all playing this Simic deck. I played that Simic deck and just, just got fires, and I'm like, if people have even three brain cells, the Jeskai Fires deck is unplayable. Like, the, the Simic matchup is so lopsided, wouldn't even believe it. Um, so... Uh, so my kind of stage zero thinking was the top two decks are going to be Jund and Simic because Jund won the event and Simic was the most populous deck in top eight. So I set out to discover a deck that could beat both Jund and Simic. And I came to the conclusion of playing Is It Flash. So I went and called up my buddy who is, in my opinion, at that point, the uh, probably preeminent expert of is it flash in the world and by then i mean he finished the highest among is it flash players at Mythic championship seven gabriel on the safe and his his uh recommendation was to play simic flash <laughs> so i put put me on that so i just practiced a bunch of simic flash um uh, i practiced against jund which people said oh no everyone's playing jund jund beats simic i think the game one matchup for simic is about 85 percent i mean like it's a bland slide in favor Ch of simic simic did not win a match against john at I, the mythic champion so i'm telling you i mean I, simic did not win a match against john right yeah so, yeah. yeah so i played the matchup it was easily 85 percent game one uh i played against simic ramp which seemed to be the really popular deck uh that matchup is worse for simic ramp than jeskai fires it's simic flash is so good and i'm like i don't what am i missing everyone else is registering these other decks did they just not practice? And I, I, I mean, maybe, I'm not sure. Right? Or maybe people just assume this was, um, you know, a glass cannon deck from that Mythic Championship that just rolls over to aggro decks. So, so what I did, so and there were no aggro decks. So I tested tournament. sideboard um, Jun in the in initial testing. Jun's matchup against Simic was overwhelming in the sideboarding games. They just brought in like Love Struck Beasts and, Seer and Shifting Ceratops instead and took out like, you know, Casualties of War and Duress and they were winning the vast majority of the games. So I called up Zvi and he's like, hey, to break it to you, it doesn't matter how good your game one is if you can't win the sideboarding games. <laughs> so, um, so he's just like, explain to me their sideboard strategy. And Said no dredge player in history. Yeah, so um, he's like, why don't you play Cavalier of Thorns? And I was just like, huh? And he's just like, well, they're bringing in five fours and five fives. Just play a five six, and in the, in the well, how much removal do they have? Like I don't know, like three murderous riders. Like in the unlikely event that they kill your cavalier of thorns, you just get your nissa back. Right. Right. So my sideboard strategy was just to side in two more crisis. I tested in this slot because Chapin told me to test Kenra's transformation. I started with as many as four Kenra's transformations. Yeah. They were horrible, and it was weird to me because like, you know, Fervent Champion played two. You know, like and so I was just these guys are too good. For this this card is not good at all. And then the you know Abe Corrigan played like Frogify, like every bad kind of bad kind of. So I was just like, listen, their Stryboard strategy is just to have five fives and five fours with protection from blue. So I brought in, I brought in two Hydra Crisis, 
four um, four Cavalier of Thorns, and then an Ugin. So I went over every all these different strategies with Chapin, and he's just like, I think that what you want to do is to play big threats that advance the board. So he, he's like, maybe mass manipulation, maybe Ugin. And they don't want to play mass manipulation because most of their stuff stinks. And they also have they also have Witch's Oven, right? So you're spending a lot of money, and they might Witch's Oven you. Right. right? So, so I played Ugin, uh, and I felt I had like a really cogent sideboard strategy. Uh, I lost two games in the entire tournament, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, decks fantastic. Uh, sideboard strategies were fantastic. I think like uh, I, a big part of it was I I maybe I should just take the last two love struck beasts out because I, I was just gambling there was gonna be no aggro. Like I literally <laughs> played two love struck beasts on my sideboard and I mean like maybe it could have been something else. Doesn't even matter. Like I didn't play against an aggro deck. I played against I played against uh, is it flash. Um, Second round, I played against uh, Simic Ramp, uh, which is a great matchup. Third round, I played against um, Simic, uh, Simic Flash Mirror Match, uh, where I broke serve. He went first, and, and I broke serve. Uh, I deed against Simic Flash. I deed against um, Jeskai Fires. Then I played against the same Jeskai Fires in top eight. He won game one when I was on the play. So I mulliganed into a six-card hand of Nissa. Frilled Mystic in four lands, and you know, like, well, how how deep am I going to mulligan here on the play? So I was basically like, if I draw Paradise Druid, or if I draw Grow Spiral, I put myself on ninety percent to win, right? And, uh, but I didn't draw either of those cards. It's thirteen. We played a face up uh, a Sacred Foundry, and I was like, probably just lost the game. He lands to Fairy. I fought really hard through game one to the point that I ultimated my Nissa. Wow. With Teferi. I mean, think about how much teeth gritting you have to do. He's got Nissa, wor- I mean, he's got Teferi working on turn three, okay? I got an ultimate Teferi, and he ended up just killing me with, uh, with Blue Flyers. So, game two, I'm on the play in a cyborg game, just walloped him. Game three was another one of these, like, super improbable. Uh, I won, my permanents in play at the end of the game were a Nissa, a 3-3 Castle Vantress, and a 3-3 Island. <laughs> Those are my permanents at the end of game three. The Nissa was not quite to ultimate. <laughs> I had no green sources. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, but that sounds like, like an awesome game. It, I feel like, is it, as weird as this is going to sound, I felt like I was going to win for most of the game. Like, <laughs> you know, like, he's just beating the bejesus out of all my permanents. Right. You know, like, it's right. like, just like multiple Clarions, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know. You know, he bounces your hydroid crazes. You can't recast it. <laughs> or you do. You don't even have any double lands, right? Because there's no green. But he just, he just never was able to stick a cavalier. Or... Um, he he had fires for a while and wasn't getting his fifth land. Oh, okay. So he I, he gave me about two-turn window on that. But he kept having removal. So it's not like I'm, you know, so infinitely ahead, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, need him to not drop. Need, once he drew fifth land, I just, I don't know, I did something. I think, like, probably, like, Aether Gusted it or something, <laughs> you know. Like you do. Like you do. I have two untapped lands, right? Like, you know, you just can gust that, right? Like, oh, I've got our brazen bar over your cavalier. I mean, like, let's go. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> you do what you do, you know? So, top four. Uh, I played against one seed. It was Sim Flash Mirror. He's on the play. He goes first turn island opt, and I pump my fist because he just went first turn island opt. He stopped on two. Uh, nope. And then game three, I mean, I don't know. 
I, my development was better, but my sideboard was also better. Like, I, he conceded to my Ugin. Like, it was not a card in his deck, right? So, the strategy there was just, like, um, a lot of the a lot of the permission isn't so much that it's bad. Like, you can, like, not even sideboard in the mirror match. All the cards are good from game one. It's mostly, like, tuning and preference. You want to play cards that you think you can resolve. You want to play cards that you can kind of, like, squeeze between the cracks and the bricks, you know? Um, but my fundamental theory is... How do we win when we don't have a Nissa advantage, right? So uh, I played four Hydrocrasis, so Hydrocrasis, you know, on six, it's pretty good. Um, you know, it's still four, four Crasis, draw a couple. It's bigger than most of the stuff on the other side. But I brought in also the Ugin, because like if they have a Nissa and you don't, you can just kill their Nissa with your Ugin and then kind of try to catch up with the two twos that Ugin makes, right? So that was that. Um, finals. Uh, my opponent, my opponent's playing John. He mulliganed. Uh, I kept Island Forest, Mystical Dispute, Aethergust, Quench, Paradise Druid, uh, Nightpack Ambusher. I played second turn Paradise Druid and had drawn an Island. So I was pretty sure if he didn't have Murderous Rider in his hand exactly on turn three, I won the game. Right. So I just played Nightpack Ambusher. I untapped it in play, and I didn't play another main phase spell. Actually, I did never play a main phase spell that game. Okay. So I just sat back, uh, he tried to cast some stuff, I like quenched and gusted it, made wolves until I had a second wolf maker and you know, I was taxing for 26, you know. <laughs> so all my wolves were 4-4 four, four, or 5-5. Five, five. Uh, it was a pretty ho-hum game one. Um, then, uh, you know, prize split when I was up a game. Okay. That's pretty exciting though. Yeah. I mean, it's a... how, how far away is that from your first G? PTQ win. I think I, I have to have the greatest distance, right? So I believe my first PTQ win was October of 1996. Wow. Maybe September of 1996. Okay. I, I, I think September of 1996, now that I think about it. I, I can look it up on... So it's like a full 23 years. Yeah. Over 23 Over years. Over 23 right? years. It's like 23 years and three months, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So... Uh, I, and if you won a PTQ in like 2021... You know, I mean, maybe I'll never have to win another PTQ. Yeah. So the, the, here's the thing. This is like this is like the heart, heart. I don't know how to explain this, right? So like, I don't know how to explain this to someone who would care. And I think you might care, or maybe some listeners care. Like, it's always in the back of my head. Like when I, where I'm just like, I think I'm good enough to play in the PT. I just don't have enough reps. That's like one. Of, that's the thing. I, whenever I like lose in top eight, or like you know, go play in a Grand Prix, and you just you're out of top eight by like a win. I just don't have enough reps. I'm good enough. But then I always say in the back of my head, like. But will I ever do it again? That's that's the thing. And I, I think if you just ask me, like, gun to my head, I would always say yes. I'm always going to be able to do it again. But I don't know, right? I had a stretch. I don't know how old was Clark when. I think, like, I, I played my last, my, quote, last pro tour the month before Clark was born, which was in 2006. And then I didn't play again and on the pro tour until 2014, 2015, so close to 10 years. But I just didn't have, you know, my kids were very small, so I didn't have, have as much liberty to play. Right. But like, that's, it's like a nagging thing. Like, I bet Becker has the same thing. Like Becker's like pretty highly rated on Arena, right? So he's like a diamond-rated player on Arena. He probably has to assume he's good enough to play on the Pro Tour, Is right? Di- Diamond's not good enough to play on the Pro Tour. It's I'm a gold-rated player. You have to be mythic. Like, but I'm just saying, like, no, no, to actually I'm, be eligible to try to qualify no, for. A I'm just talking about from a comparative sure. skill okay. level. Like, sure. if you grind a diamond, right? So for me, just just as an example, like, I'm, like, I just 
play these kids all the time in PTQ, you know, little tournaments, and they're like, oh, I'm mythic, right? So I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe this kid's real good, right? <laughs> and then, like, but it's just the same, right? It's the same as, like, you know, it's not, they're not, like, like, you, playing against Brad Nelson, there is a presence at the table that is beyond playing against. Sure. Like, I, I mean, I have physically played against Brad Nelson three times, okay? Like, he is, he... He's like my, I'm friendly with Brad Nelson, right? Yeah. Like, he's like my best friend or anything, but like very friendly, you know, chat with him every yeah. so often, know each other's yeah. names, you know, very, very congenial, collaborated on articles before, stuff like that. But like, Brad Nelson at the table is nobody's he's friend. A, he's an elite, right? t- he's an elite tier but player. I have been playing against John Finkel since I was a kid, right? Like, so that's less intimidating for me, but like Brad Nelson, like there is something at the table. That like sure I, I don't know I played against lots of people who who are you know have a I don't know I played infinite against OSIP OSIP is a pro tour champion right I don't feel that if I'm playing against OSIP right I, does that make sense I guess it does I mean I think it's a little bit about when you do it right like if you play OSIP right now you're not gonna have that feeling certainly I, but I think if you play OSIP at like the the sort of peak of his powers on the pro tour he's able to just turn on that focus and has, you know, most of his brain wrapped around magic pretty soundly at that moment, then, yeah, I mean, Osip's going to be one I, of the scarier players I called Osip today. I said, Osip, I'm pretty sure there's a PTQ you can play at the Dragon. Like, <laughs> I just qualified for the Pro Tour. Zvia's the fire. We're going to get the old man, ba- you know, we're all just dads, right? Like, we're going to get the old man bandwagon. We're going to take over, you know. And he did not know what any of the cards in my deck did. <laughs> Did you explain to him? Me. Did you explain to him your strategy for winning a PTQ? What, what, what does that mean? Well, you have this great strategy. Like you go to Nassif and get a deck. Yeah. You tune it with Zvi <laughs> and, and then shape it. Yeah. So <laughs> literally, so literally, the three greatest deck designers of all time produced my deck. All right. Like, Wait, was Waffle Top not taking your calls? <laughs> Where was easy? There, you could have gone like you could have gotten the fiver. No, we are in the blue green zone. Okay. <laughs> Remember I explained this to you before? Remember we were drafting deck design teams and somebody's just like, I got Zvi. I got, and I was just like, yo, Blue Green better be good in your format. Like, how about you get a Patrick Sullivan on there, man? Is that three like Blue Green deck designers? Um, yeah, so, uh, yes, it was an excellent, I mean, that's just a deck picking strategy. I still had to pilot it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I made a one substantial mistake that I can remember. I just didn't attack with the Nightpack Ambush or one turn, but. And as soon as I realized that I did it, I like played it back like I did that on purpose to like intimidate him from his attack. <laughs> Sick, but I should have attacked. Uh, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, like uh, I don't know. I, I really the thing that I'm thinking. Well, not thinking now because all the things that I thought were validated in the tournament, right? But I tested this format a lot, yeah. and I was just like, what? Do, what does everyone else know that I don't know? That's that's this thing, like. Magic has always been an information war, right? Like, I always thought that I knew something other people didn't know. That's how come I played this goofball deck instead of, like, whatever the deck to beat was. Like, I just don't know why people think Jun beats Simic Flash, right? Like, people people think Jun beats Simic Flash because they watched Jun beat Simic Flash all day long on Saturday and Sunday. Like, at the Mythic Championship. That's what happened. Look, Peter... But, but again, this is also, you know... Piotr Golgowski is one of the is a really terrific magic player, like elite tier. He beat, even though people don't know him. But yet, he beat really. Dominguez, right? Yeah. I mean Dominguez is the best player in the world. I'm just saying, like, 
But he, and he and he beat Brad and he beat like I mean, he beat everybody. Brad's probably the best standard player in the world. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, so he beat everyone, and so it was. But 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 I think that the decisions that get made at that level are different than the decisions that get made at the the PTQ level or even at the GP level, and you do you do play those games differently. So one question I had was. All right, this is a lopsided match in game one. What are the chances that these Jund players know Canister's sideboard strategy, right? Versus just copied his deck list, right? right. That was the that was the other thing. So I was just talking to people like, oh yeah, I don't read articles or anything, but I did watch Canister's stream, right? So if they watch Canister's stream, I figured they they would know how to sideboard. But I think my sideboard strategy works whether or not they they knew the right strategy. If they don't know the right strategy, just win more. But I, we got it to about 50% sideboarded, right? So I was just like, overwhelming majority of games in game one, win half the sideboarded games, you're probably going to win the match. Especially if you're going to play in the, th- the third game. So, so, what, so what is next now? You've got this PTQ win. You've, you've paid off some small amount of cake debt. I don't know if you owe a greater cake debt or not. That's up to you at this point. Well, if it's up to me, I'm just gonna say no. Okay, all right, that's fair. You have, you have, you have. This is like double you cake. You've taken your, single... you've taken your victory lap with cake. That's fine. But what's next? When, when is the, when is the pro tour? I don't know. Is there a communication strategy that tells me? <laughs> as far as I know, I can opt to play in the European pro tour or the Japanese pro or tour or the American one. Yeah, I'm gonna play in the American one because there's three pro tours, right? Like, yes. So there's a bunch of pro tours in each region. If I start playing in Japan, I have to keep playing in Japan. Is that the way it works? No. Uh, if you the, the 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 events all feed a larger, more elite or smaller, more elite players tour final. So, Wait, it's, so there's so it's regional players tour, regional players tour, regional players tour. And some number of players from here, some number of players from here, some number of players from here, and then some number of challengers, MPLs, and challengers, and whatever you know, all meet at a players tour finals. Wait, so there, I'm only playing in one players tour. Like, Correct. And then, how many how many American pro tours are there basically? There will be, I believe, three this year. American Pro Tour. Three American regional player, North American regional player stores. Okay. If I, if I do well, do I keep playing in those? <laughs> it's unclear. <laughs> unclear. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. No, nobody told I literally asked so, the, the so staff. Players Tour Americas, Players Tour Europe, Players Tour Asia Pacific. Yeah, I, I and think... And then it goes to the Players Tour Finals... Which has the top finishers from players tour events, top finishers from previous player tours finals, all twenty four MPL players, each Grand Prix winner in a qualifying season, all play in the player tour finals. Um. So wait, Grand Prix don't qualify for the Pro Tour anymore. Uh, winning a Grand Prix qualifies you for, for player the... tour finals. Wait, if I do well in the player tour, is there even money at that? Yes, the two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pool. And approximately for approximately five hundred players at the Pro Tour America Regional Players. Whoa, five hundred players. They're saying it's roughly five hundred players. Players Tour Europe is they they're expecting to be roughly four hundred players, two hundred thousand dollar prize pool, and Asia Tour Players Tour Asia Pacific, two hundred and fifty players, hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Whoa, five. That's bigger than any Pro Tour I've ever played in. That's not a 
Team Pro Tour. Well, I mean, this is, you know... I thought this was supposed to defray the size. So it's defraying the size by pushing some of it down to these players tour, players tour, regional players tours, whatever they're called. Yeah, but I'm just saying, look, that's twice as big as the pro tours that I played in. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter. More sticks, am I right? Yeah. More dead money. Undead money. If you don't know who the fish at your table is, <laughs> it's you. Um, so how, how are you going to prepare for this? Uh, I'm going to save up all my coins and gems for three weeks from now. Yeah. When Theros comes out, and I'm going to practice limited only on Arena. I don't care what people say. Do not do this, man. I don't care. Why would I care? Because you're just not going to learn anything. I literally 5 one like uh five one in Vancouver playing in two FNMs. Alright. But you this also This will give me more reps. But you also had Ben Stark's pick order. Yeah. And, and then I beat Ben Stark <laughs> with it. Like you need to, you can't you cannot I I mean, let's think about the things I can actually do. What am I going to go join some sort of crazy draft league? There's no, that doesn't even exist for me. I don't live in Madison. You can, well, you could certainly take a couple days and probably go to a draft camp in Madison. So you could do that. You could avail yourself of resources here in New York and get at least several live drafts in with like people who are willing to be critical and engage in discussion. Um, play FNMs. You can play FNMs. I, I think that it's worth doing that just to see the patterns of cards and the way decks distribute. Um, but but I think you need to you need to be doing some sort of potted draft because the the arena the arena thing is almost just not a real magic format. It is just it is so unlike what happens in a draft. Okay, and it is so. That it, it, it's just, it's, it's just aberrant. I tried, um, I tried doing like moto drafts before, I think Pro Tour I think moto drafts are good to do. Pro Tour Milwaukee was the last one I was qualified for. Yeah. And it was just, I didn't do well. I didn't understand what was going on. Like, uh, I didn't get any feedback. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, same thing. We, we, uh, we, we can make sure you have draft practice. Then, you know, it's Pioneer. I think I have a good idea what I'm going to end up playing. Oh, you, you saw the news today, right? They banned Nexus of Fate. And Oko. Um, I don't care if they ban Oko. <laughs> Oko's just like a whipping boy. What's wrong with him? I See, mean, he, he doesn't make magic bad. He doesn't? Well, sure he does. He actually does. Um, I mean, the amount of matches that went to time in Richmond. Uh, I mean, he makes magic. He, he creates this like mechanical... What, what percentile layer. player do you think Andre Strosky is? Some fraction of a percentile. 99th percentile, right? Like, but some, like, upper yeah, yeah. level of that. Even among pro players? Yes, he's okay. great. What what percentile player do, do you think uh, Paolo Vitor Damodorosa is? Uh, some fractional higher than what you just said for Strosky? Okay. Yeah, yeah, How about Andrew Cuneo? 99th percentile? Sure. The format, with all the Okos and Once Upon a Times, you know what, it, you know what kind of format it was? It was a format where almost nobody lost a man to screw. 
The games had time to develop, I have, I, and the I, best I, players won most of the time. I, I, I agree with I don't know why that's bad. I, I agree with all... Because it, it's... I, I agree that it was... Mythic Regional... Uh, Richmond was a great tournament to watch. So, Strasky and Paulo and the folks that they prepared with understood the context of the games they were playing. And they won with cards like Mass Manipulation that, that understood the entire context of the game. Not only focused on these, like, they're like, at, at, so I, Zvi was the first person who said to me, you got a mulligan in these hands that don't have, like, Gusoko yeah. kind of uh, grazer action. By the time the Pro Tour happened, I'm sorry, the Mythic Championship 6 happened, most of the top teams had already understood that, right? Right. So you have a baseline where people are playing these games that have typically explosive, highly synergistic second and third turns of the game. But the thing is, the games are going to go 20 turns, right? Right. So, like, you have to understand the greater context. And I think that one of the wonderful things about that format was it rewarded people who understood that. And that, like, I, it's, I don't really understand what people... I, I don't get what they complain about. Like, it's like nobody likes anything. You want, you want a diverse metagame. You want to see more than just, like, two or the three The top guys. eight had green-black adventures, green-white adventures, blue-green oko... Like, uh, and then like, uh, Soltai Oko, and the top sixteen was all these cat food decks, which is a ma- meaningfully different deck. Like, that's six. Re- that's like six meaningfully different relevant decks in the top in the top sixteen. Most formats don't get that deep. Now, granted, every one of those archetypes was green. Right? <laughs> like, uh, you know, two thirds of them played the card I Gilded mean, Goose. You want to see green? Look at the Pioneer Band list. It is. Largely so, green cards. If you look at if you look at the current, I, first of all, I think the current standard that I just won my event in is a wonderful format. Okay. I think it carries a lot of that. Um, I mulliganed uh, maybe five, six times in six played matches. Um, didn't stop me from winning. You know, uh, I think it's you have a format where people can play mana tight. You have a format where people are developing you have matchups where either one can matter i mean people can go under they can play aggro they're just i don't know i think the elite players are just choosing not to play aggro for some reason well it's because you yeah i mean it just gets fucked brick walled by you know uh lonely beast or whatever the hell he's called love struck beast love struck beast i mean like rotting Wicked wolf and like it's pretty pretty sore can i mean the thing is rotting is not in a good matchup against snipe ambusher that's you don't want to be there, right? Like, you basically never win if you're in the Rotting Ridge Sword versus Nightpack Ambusher matchup unless you have an Embercleave. Right. But you know, outside of that, you have you have some action you can take. I'm just saying. I think, I think that there is something to be said for a format where relatively few people lose to Mana Screw. Uh, the better player tends to win sure. at a high rate, right? Like, so like these are the formats I hate. My absolute. Pits format that I can think of in like the last five years was like the one where the only two decks there's only two decks you could play in standard blue white spirits and black green delirium do you remember that yeah so bad like and the thing was it was utterly random it didn't even seem to me that if you were playing blue white spirits perfectly against blue white spirits you were even favored to win right like the worst playing player would win 50% of the time and I could never tell who was advantaged between black green delirium and blue white spirits and it also seemed to have 
relatively little to do with play, right? It was just nonsense. And then the energy format that came after it with, you know, teamer energy, etc., also miserable. Like these are incredibly not fun and not diverse, not skill testing, right? Like I played a cub on the second turn is not the same as I played well on the second turn, right? Like it's, it's like none of those things were like, we're, we're rewarding better play, thoughtful play, thoughtful deck preparation. Um, it's crazy that like ramming up ruins basically saved standard. That's, that's what happened, right? Yeah. Like, and they're like, all right, thanks for saving standard. You banned. Uh, I mean, I think I think the problem for a lot of people is that there just doesn't seem to be a real aggro deck, right? Like, there doesn't seem to be something to offset, and and, and that the the game is very color imbalanced. In it's like green, like if you if you just like it's green, blue, black, red, and then just white all the way out on the yeah, end. I I've been, been playing that much arena. I've actually been playing more limited recently. Yeah. Um, just because of what you taught me, but uh, I don't know. I, I own two decks in Arena. They're both aggro decks. Neither of them are green. Um, you know, doing I don't know. I'm not platinum. I'm sorry. I'm not uh, uh, mythic. I mean, I I made medium platinum. You know, yeah. last cycle. Um, but I I don't even know. I I'm not sure how you get there. Right. Like like I said before, I, when I played platinums in real life, I don't feel wowed by them. Right. Like their play does not seem so much better to me than the play of people who I'm familiar playing um, Paper Magic against. I would contrast that with when guys like Paul Cheon and Luis Scott Vargas were just moto grinders. Those guys were of a different level of skill than I think the uh, today's uh, arena mythics are. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? <sighs> like meaning, I mean, like Luis Scott Vargas was an ace. Paul Cheon was better, you know, like in that era. I mean, like, no one's going to argue that Paul Chan's better than Luis Scott Vargas's, you know, entire career at this point. But you remember when they were just coming out? Oh, yeah. Like, Paul was... Oh, Paul won first, right? Like... Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, they were both in exceptionally capable. All right, just coming out of Moto. Yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, tons of people, right? I mean, Jerry came out of Moto, Raptor came out of Moto, uh, Reed Duke came out of Moto. Yeah, Reed. Yeah, no. So I remember. Yeah, but, I mean, we're seeing players coming out of arena, right? Like we're seeing like new, a new, whole new crop of people coming into the game, and you know, Crokey's who's playing at the Mythic Championship Seven has been playing the game for a year and is playing the game at a high level. very high level. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he's right? Who's the beat man? What? I mean, probably. Probably. I mean, I, I mean, you know, even if he hasn't read it about magic, if he's played any other game, oh, he's, yeah, read, he's read it. If he's read any, if he's played any other card game, he's read who's the beatdown because someone rewrites it for every game. So the thing that's funny to me is people ask if I read other people's articles. Uh, I got asked that this weekend, and I don't tend to. Right. So the you know, and like, what do you what do you? I'm like, I don't know. I look at top eight deck lists. I do watch some streams. Right. I watch streams twice a week, maybe, uh, and. Um, I just, but then I have like a bunch of friends who are good at magic and smart and I talk to them about it. And, uh, I mean, some people like, if I, I mean, I, last time I talked to Jerry, we talked about Ruby, you know, that is like an American anime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we talked about Ruby, not about magic really, but like, you know, there's some of these guys like, 
you know, Jerry or Brian Gottlieb or Kibler at one point just read everything. Right. They read like every single piece of content, good, bad, or otherwise. And, you know, the focus on absorbing all the possible knowledge. That was always Aaron's thing. Aaron, Aaron Forsyth had always used to read every single piece of content, consume every piece of content, uh, to the most almost obscure detail. Like, it was, it was insane. He would just meet someone and he's like, oh, you wrote that article about blah, blah. And they'd be like so dazzled, right? They would be so impressed that, you know, he read some article on Carnivore. Yeah. You know, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you wrote that article on Blackboarder about, you know. Blackboarder. <laughs> right? You know, whatever. Um, and yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. I mean, there's no way, to, there's no better way to make people like you, by the way, than knowing you read their article on. You know, it's like I, I, I you know, I, I think you earn good points. And I remember talking to Paulo one of the first times, like, oh yeah, I've read your articles on Mind Ripper or Brain Burst or whatever it was. Paulo, he wrote, he wrote as Paulo Vitor when he was like sixteen years oh, old. Oh really? Yeah, he was a regular writer on that site before he ever had a copy. I used to read everything. I don't read anything anymore. Yeah. But I used to read everything. You know, you're, you, you know, people, people like to be noticed. I read uh, Adrian Art Sullivan's articles sometimes. I read, like, Ali Antrazi's articles. I think that they, the people who have, like, broader, differently angled approaches to magic are, are, are uh, more useful to me. I, I think that the person who is best in terms of, like, I need a snapshot of a format. Yeah. And I want to understand everything that's going on. I love Seth Manfield. I, I think that you don't get a lot of frills in a yeah. Seth Manfield article, right? Like, he's not... He's not some great writer in the sense of he, he's not telling this deep narrative and he's not giving a lot of flavor on top of everything. But boy, does he... He hits the nuts he, and he, he, he gives He gives it, yeah, he gives you, you know, this pretty like bottom line like, oh, okay, I understand this. Yeah, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus in terms of like... Oh, but players, we're gonna. Top players writing articles, but like... I feel like a lot of the, especially on some of these sites that people might not know the names of, you know, that, that are that are being populated now, um, I, I just get the, like, A, a lot of the articles just seem super phoned in, and B... That's always been the case. Yeah, but, like, you know, it's, it's like MPL players, you know, and, like, the, B, like, analysis makes no sense to me. Like, I, I spent a fair amount of time trying to play the... Like the Czech Azorius blue white deck yeah. uh, against Jund to see. I, I, I came. I played it myself. And I came to the conclusion that if in fact this has a positive matchup in game one, which I could not validate, <laughs> I would be out of the tournament by round two. Right? Yeah. Like I just this deck is utterly miserable to play. Yeah. Like it's, it's what? Why are you? I'm making sure it's not snowing. Oh. Like have you played this blue white deck? No. It's not fun. No. It's horrible. Like, you have infinite lines. None of them seem to make any sense. You could draw all your best cards, still lose. Like, it's... It's really weird. I mean, but I guess in hindsight, if you look at its performance in the hands of Efro and Ben Stark at Mythic Championship 7 was below 50%, so it's probably just, you know, those are two of the... two of the, the American aces, and they did not do well, so... So... I think uh, part of this celebration is we, we, we have not talked about a lot of non-magic stuff. Did you watch the last episode of Watchmen? I did. You watched the Watchmen. 
I did. Yeah. That's me. I'm the one. That's who watched you watched, Yeah, you watched Watchmen. It's me. You um, and everybody else. Yeah. Is this the greatest single season of a show ever? <sighs> if they never had a second All right, season. So, 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 again, spoilers. Stop listening if you haven't watched Watchmen. And if you haven't watched Watchmen... Okay, a, if you haven't read Watchmen, re-examine your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest... So, so my, greatest my, comic my, ever. My wife never read Watchmen. She likes the show? She really enjoys the show. And now she knows all the stuff about the comic because she'll read after the show episode. She'll read like these, so, you know, detailed things that break down. And she's like, oh, oh, I see. Oh, Ozymandias caught a bullet before. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm like, yeah, I meant to tell you that. Damon Lindelof has a podcast. It's just like the official Watchmen podcast. Yeah. It's really, infor- my, my wife told me about it, right? Because yeah. she'd read Watchmen. It's like 20 years ago when she read Watchmen, right? Yeah. So she didn't remember anything. Uh, and she like really helped her. Like, there's a lot of details in the show, obviously, that are a little bit difficult to, to keep up. Every episode is so dense. Yeah. Um, uh, I do think it, it might it might be the best single season of a show. I ever. don't want a season two. Yeah, I don't mind how it ended. If you just call, call I don't it. I don't want a, I don't want a season two. But it's way too good for them not to do a season two. It's way yes, and the talent is way too high and. You know, I mean, you can just do that really also, like, boy, we can just jump to some whole crazy new paradigm. How about they just have, like, a maybe season two, they have season two, and it's just about Dan and uh, some other Minuteman, right? And they just don't... Right. It's like Dan in prison. Oh. Right? Yeah. And they don't even have any of these characters. Sure. What if it's that? Yeah, you could do that. Uh, I would also happily just go back and watch a Hooded Justice season. Okay, how amazing was that idea? I'm... I was just like... It was funny to me because I'm like, clearly they didn't read the... So, I've talked about this with you before. Alan Moore is like this salty guy. He says like everyone just steals his ideas or whatever. But like they clearly are reverential towards the original Watchmen. So reverential. And did not even read the before Watchmen prequels that were written by like... Darwin Cook, who's amazing. J. Michael Straczynski, yep. who's amazing. Like, really? Amanda Connor did one, yep. right? Like, they just didn't even read them. Right. Right? Like, um, because this is, like, the opposite of a lot of the stuff that was in the Before Watchmen yeah, yeah. miniseries. So, uh, I don't know. I, like, Zach, Zach said, like, Gene Smart as Silk Spectre is just, like, his dream girl. Yeah. Or, like, I mean, a, you know, a 60 year old I mean, dream girl. Like, like, I think Zach has... Undersold how good Regina King is on that. Do you, I was, you know what I was saying to my wife? I'm like, you know what? Why Watchmen's the best TV show on TV right now? She's like, why? Because like, there's a middle-aged black woman playing a superhero. <laughs> so literally, like, she's like 47. She's, gonna, she's also going to be the first actor to win an Emmy Award for... A superhero for show? For a superhero show. She's, I thought it was going to be Diane Guerrero for Doom Patrol. Yeah. But I feel like Doom Patrol has just... No one has... No one's watched it. No one's watched it. You yeah. never watched it, did you? I haven't got my... There's so much good stuff. As soon as I get everything... Expanse just came out. I know. It's, I, every time I get something off my thing, something else good comes. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, I can't... I'm, young, flying, I'm flying to LA tomorrow, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually watch The Expanse. So, Young Justice is my favorite show. I still haven't seen the season from that they just had. Is there a new season already? I they hope there's a new season of Titans. Oh, new season. Yeah, not a new season of Young Titans. Titans was fine. I don't, I don't feel an urge But to... you wouldn't have had your Doom Patrol without Titans. Yeah, Doom Patrol. Diane Guerrero is so good. Speaking but... of Titans. Yeah. Speaking of Titans. Yeah. You, like, you did not feel something for Crisis on Infinite Earths? 
I like Burt that. Ward? I, I enjoyed Crisis on Infinite Earths fine. Like, I, I appreciated some stuff that they did. I just felt like the epicness of these worlds being destroyed and these heroes desperately fighting to save them yeah. is... It's hard to do on TV. It's just almost impossible to do on TV. Because the SFX budgets aren't big enough, right? Of course, but also the the writing is not big enough for it. So the thing that... There, I, there's just no... Yeah. They're, 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 the psychological... To- like, they're just not putting these characters through the emotion. Even if you can't physically put them through it, I feel like emotionally if it should be put through If it's more. TV, it has to be more Game of Thrones, right? Like, it has to be like every episode is like a film. Yeah. Right, and, so... And, and, and they can't do that. And so... so but it's... Look, there's some great moments. Uh, Those Titans, Burt Ward, yeah. Huntress from Birds of Prey 2002. How about... How, how, how insane was that? How about Amanda Pays as Iris Allen from 1990? Wait, wait. She was, that, wasn't, that was archival footage, right? Yes. Yeah. But still, that moment... That moment yeah. Like, I was like, that's right. I mean, when they cast John Wesley's ship on the show, I was like already pre- yeah. And Then you saw him as Flash last season in a, in a, in a Flash Forward episode, right? Yeah. So these are the things that were crazy for me. I, I, I mean, I love... By long- the way, John Cryer as Lex Luthor, he might be like peak Lex Luthor. Yeah, people are saying he's the best Lex Luthor, right? Yeah. But I was just like... I, I don't. he's still Gene Hackman. I'd only seen the first two episodes and I'm just like, they're going to have Lucifer. They're gonna, and then they had Lucifer in the next episode. But the thing that's that's wonky. Also, is, Jim Corrigan, the Spectre is like, Spectre's like one of my favorites. Yeah, but his what's he from? He 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 hasn't been on it. He, he he's was, new. He he's new to the CW. He's not a new character. Well, I know I know who Jim Corrigan okay. is. All right, so um, he was in, I believe, a couple of episodes of Constantine. I see. Because I never watched the... I saw one episode yeah, of Yeah, I believe he's in a couple of episodes of Constantine. And they never quite did yeah. anything with it. But they're doing it now? I said, yeah. So the but thing, I mean, he plays a huge role in Crisis. Well, the thing that's goofy to me is Tom Welling, who they brought back as Clark Kent, Smallville Clark, Clark yeah. Kent, who's like, I guess, the gold super, you know, gold kryptonite Superman. Like, that's the, yeah. you know, the, that one. Um, he plays Kane in, in Lucifer. Oh, Cain and Abel. That's funny. So, like, it, it, they're just doing this stuff where just like, okay, well, Brandon Routh is Superman and uh, yeah, I, and Adam, you right. know, like, and they look the same. Like, they should have just had him be Cain also, right? And, like, people are like, Clark? <laughs> like, uh, but I, I knew they were going to do Lucifer. I was so happy. What I really wish they had done in the third episode, because they're, they're just the time skip for whatever, a month now. Yeah. They, I think they should have had Watchmen characters just... For a second, and sure. then off, just off, like just for a second, just had like maybe like a scene with like Pirate Jenny and Red Scare eating borscht or something, and then just like they don't have to do anything with it, right? right. Just should have had them because like because like they're really got everybody, right? Yeah. They have Birds of Prey, they have Smallville, they have freaking Superman, Brian Singer movie, right? right? Everybody's in this, like they. I mean, Watchmen is on TV right now. I feel like that would have been cool. Yeah. Or I don't know, but maybe there's the implication that the universe is going to be destroyed so they can't, like, they can't acknowledge yeah, yeah, the fact that they're in the yeah. same... But they're in the same universe. Right. Right? Like, 
Is the end result of this going to be like Crisis or Supergirl? Supergirl's... Black Lightning and the Arrowverse all going to be on one plane? Well, didn't they say like 3 billion people from Earth-38 now live on Earth-1? Right. That's the only thing that they said of any... Yeah, any, yeah. The other Earths are just destroyed. Yeah. They said like, oh, we... Uh, well, Black Lightning's world is also destroyed. Yeah, but Ollie saved a billion people himself, right? Yeah. Right, so... Right. They fit a lot of people in that Legion spaceship. Yeah, I love, I, I, love, I love Crisis as a kid... I, well, they have the reverse right. So they had they had Kara holding Clark's dead body, right? Yeah. Which is like the reverse that famous George Perez yeah. shot. Yeah, and they also and also um, Arrow gives himself up to save Flash and Kara, whereas Flash and Kara are the ones who die. And well, but I mean, John, John Wesley ships Flash died the same way as he dies yeah, in Crisis, yeah, right? Yeah. He dies on the the, oh, the treadmill. What I think that they should have done is they should have brought Smallville Arrow with them because like I don't know if you didn't watch Smallville. I never watched Smallville. Smallville is so it's it's like basically X Files. He's never Superman ever at any point in Smallville. He's just yeah. himself, but he has superpowers. Yeah. But like when he goes to be in Metropolis, he like he goes and starts working at the planet with Lois and stuff. It becomes a superhero show. There's like an Aquaman. The Aquaman from Smallville is also Hawk on. <laughs> on us but so he has his own justice league right and it's like black canary aquaman arrow shows up green arrow but it's mostly the green arrow show for like the entire so it's, it's still called smallville and clark is just working the daily planet but all the super heroics is oh. is green arrow so i think they should have just brought that green arrow to die right that would have been yeah but i mean they have to do something with i mean ollie's show is getting canceled in two episodes or something right so i guess so yeah i mean it's had a great run you can't, you can't really complain like they had a oh, high height. I had a few seasons in the middle I could complain about. Oh, but... I mean, it had a really high height. Yes, you yeah. can't complain. I mean, what, what did you really expect out of that show? Oh, I expected that. That first season of Arrow is a billion times better than anything you ever expected, right? Yes, the actually. second season's even better. The Raise All Ghoul season was still pretty good. After that, it were. I mean, but you even told me last season, the prison season, you're the like, pr- this is fantastic. The prison season was. Well, the fight scene in the prison was great. I mean, it is still. 20% worse than the prison fight scenes in Daredevil, right? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still an adherent era watcher. I watch it every week. Uh, uh, I hate to admit it, but I, I mean, I love Legends Tomorrow. It's so goofy, though. They didn't have to... Why did they make Which it so everyone says, But everyone says it's the best of the shows now. Legends? The best of the CW shows, yeah. I thought you liked Flash. I, I, I don't watch Legends. I like Flash. I like Black Lightning. I've fallen off of Black Lightning this season. Once Crisis is done, I'm not watching any of them anymore. Shut up. None. I'm done. You're going to watch the next season when they have a crossover? You don't watch Batwoman? I don't watch Batwoman. You don't like Ruby Rose? I like Ruby Rose. I'm just not going to watch. I don't, I didn't think, I watched one episode. I didn't think it was very good. It was kind of not that good. <laughs> the, the thing that's sad is the source material, Greg Rucka and J.H. Williams III, is yeah. so yeah. good. It's unbelievable. But, like, it's, but it's, it's what you said earlier, right? Like there's so much good TV coming on. Better Call Saul's coming up in February. By the, by the way, there, there are two very good shows on network TV right now that nobody's talking about. Stumptown is really good. I watched it. It's Greg Rucka also. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very good. But I Evil it. on CBS. I told you I can't watch that. That's scary to me. <laughs> no, no, it's scary. No, no, uh, the show that you didn't watch that is canceled now, but you can watch the first two seasons on Netflix, you probably never watched it. What's that? Great News. Oh, yeah. You know what it is? Is that the one? No, I don't remember. It's Tina Fey 3. It's, it's more 30 oh, Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 30 Rock, it's more 30 Rock than Kimmy Schmidt was. 
It's actually the head writer is actually the woman who Tina Fey co-wrote the last episode of Thirty Rock with. But Tina Fey is the executive producer, and she's right. on the show. Right, she's right, right. It's the one with. Um, no one's famous. No, what are you talking about? It's got what's her face from SCTV. Oh, are you talking about someone who's famous in the seventies? Andrea Martin plays her mother. Yeah. Okay. Like somebody who's famous in the seventies. Yeah. Somebody who's famous in the seventies. Shut up. You're not going to eat this cake. I'm going to take it home. Okay. Take it all home. Well, you take your little cake home. No, you need it all. Okay. Um. So, what advice do you have for people who are looking for something to play in standard over the next uh, so between now and Theros coming out? So, what I did was. You gotta send me the deck after, so we can put it in the show notes. After the third round, I uh, I knew I was pretty locked for top eight. I called Roman Fusco and I said, "Read me the principles of how to win a PTQ." <laughs> and he did. And the thing I would say is, it raining? I think it's rain. icing. It says cloudy on my watch. Uh, I'd rather ice than rain. Um, and he said, "You know, no long term allegiances to deck, right?" Right. Uh, I, I think Simic Flash is meaningfully better than everything else. It's okay. a GCB one with the same archetype I did. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I haven't talked to him. Uh, it's, uh... I'm so upset. I was going to see GCB this weekend, and now I'm not. Why? Oh, I wasn't going to see him. I was just going to stay in his house. <laughs> um, I, was going to, I was going to Portland to do commentary on the GP. But? But they canceled coverage. Channel Fireball cancel coverage? Yeah, they, I think they just decided they didn't want to do a standard. I don't know what the reason is, but... So, I think they're going to do, like, a Pioneer or a Modern one later on in the... They just can't, so they're still going to have the GP. They're, just they're still having the GP. They're just not doing the coverage. Yeah. So, how am I going to p- practice Pioneer? I guess you're going to have to play on Magic Online. Yeah, probably not. I think I'm just going to... I think I'm just going to look at Pioneer Top 8 deck lists and maybe watch some streams. Probably play just play blue-white. I mean, we could have, like, some sort of Top 8 mock votational. We could have a mock votational. There's no one else in the entire city who's qualified for the pro other than John, right? I mean, I guess technically Zv is. Oh, Zv oh, has the fire. Sort of, but yeah. I mean, Zv's fire is always fleeting, but... He had the fire Yeah. Uh, for the last Mythic Championship. Yeah. How come Zv didn't get invited to play in, like, one of these, uh, in, like, MC7? He made Mythic. Uh, well, it's not just making Mythic, right? Like, I mean, Zv's starting to stream. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen now that Zv is streaming a lot. No, but, I mean, like, Pakula got invited. He didn't even make Mythic. Or what, was, what was the criteria for inviting him? Uh, they felt like it? Yeah, That's fine. That's a yeah. fine criteria. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, but, like, there's a difference between, like, I think the idea is that Pakul is in the discussion for Hall of Fame and giving him an opportunity to do well, and I don't know. I mean, he gets like a lot of like like he's got like a bunch of deferential invites that don't have like a lot of grounding and stuff that like other people could easily like just the same geo regions and stuff could have qualified for. Like, but I'm not taking anything away from Chris. I'm saying like in this particular case, Zv literally made Mythic. He's like on a tear, and Chris got the invite, right? Like, so. I would I would be shocked if Z didn't get some sort of arena invite next year. Like I mean, like Zv six o day one of the rivals turn. Yeah, right. He's like and, he's, and like also if you look at what a Caval- uh, a Jeskai Fires deck looks yeah, like right Zvi's now, deck. it's his mana base. It's his like sphinxes. It's you know 
like he really you know that is really the the, the deck he has uh, pushed forward. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I, I'm really, my question is not trying to take anything away from Chris. I'm happy for Chris. Yeah. I'm just saying like, why not Zvi? You know, sure. like why not any? You know, like. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're just they're sh- shipping them around. Well, I'm sure they'll get to everybody. Everybody? So, well, it's like nine million magic players. Yeah. It's not well, gonna, there's not know, enough slots. Eventually. Eventually. I don't know. It's going to take so. 3,000 years to do that. Anyway, i got to get out of here, and it is freaking raining. So, uh, this is Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores for Top 8 Magic. And Cake. Cake. Congrats, Mike, on the PTQ win. And uh, I don't know when we'll talk to you again. It might be in 2020. We'll see. Um, wait, so you're, not, so you're not going to Portland anymore? No. Maybe next week. Maybe it'll be in 2019. We'll see. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go away for a few days. Yeah. There's a thing called the Museum in Washington, D.C. that's, I guess, closing because you know, they're going to turn into a shopping mall or something. And okay. I guess we don't need truth anymore anyway. So, <laughs> so, so somebody bought the building for $375 million and they're, so I'm going to go see it before it closes. Okay. Enjoy. All right. Thanks.